Welcome back to another edition of EO Audio, the audio podcast of the East Oregonian. I'm Tim Trainer, opinion page editor, talking today with Dale Primer, who is running for Ward 3 on the Pendleton City Council against Cody Simiati and Don Bennett. Um, he sat down here with EO editorial board members, Catherine Brown, Daniel Wattenberger, and myself, as well as city reporter Antonio Sierra. Listen in and uh, listen the next two days for the podcast with his competitors. Now here he is, Dale Primer. If I send a Yammer on, just tell that's, me that. That's fine. We're, we're trying to keep them, you know, just you know, semi-listenable for folks uh, on our yeah. podcast. And uh, So why don't you just start with a brief dis- synopsis of your background? Um, like we were just saying, I uh, grew up in Hermiston. I've uh, lived in Hermiston through through high school, so that's, you know, being a bulldog running for city council in the city of Pendleton, mm-hmm. that maybe, that's a, <laughs> maybe that's a disqualifier right off the top. I'm not sure. Um Went to college at both Blue Mountain Community College and then Western Oregon University uh, in law enforcement. I uh, got hired right out of college in with Umatilla County Community Corrections. Went to, at that point, was a division of the sheriff's office. Um, I started my career as doing community service work crew. Um, you guys are familiar with the work crew. You see them doing all those things in spite of your kick in the pants. We do a lot of good work, I think. <laughs> no grudges. <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I promoted up through a variety of different positions. And then in 2006, I was promoted into the assistant director for community corrections. And then in July of last year, I took over as a director of Umatilla County Community Justice. And at the same time, um, as taking over community justice, so you just so you know the difference between a community corrections model and a community justice model. The community justice model augments in the youth service side of it. So the juvenile adult. Uh, parole and probation aspects fell under one department. And then, of course, around that same time, there was some shakeup in the county, and I ended up with our A&D department, our Intellectual and Developmental Disabilities Program, and our and our Veterans Program. Okay. So currently, I've got those five programs. Um, I manage about 16 budgets in total that come with those programs. I could give you an amount, but I would be assuming, I think, in, you know, between all four budgets or all 16 budgets, many of which are grants or pass-throughs and as well, and as well as operating budgets, there tune of seven, eight million dollars a year in budgets that I operate, and then total of 64 personnel yeah. that currently report to me at this point. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Um, yeah. But why, why did you decide to run? That's a good question. <laughs> Half of the responses when you build a Facebook page and you say, I'm going to run for city council, it was like, what, <laughs> what happened to your brain? <laughs> Why are you doing this? You know, and, it, and you know, it's a good question. It's a uh, variety of reasons. And, you know, it, it, a couple weeks leading up to it, you know, I, I saw your guys' editorial. And one was... It's time for the next generation of folks to step forward mm-hmm. and to get involved. And to people who have leadership experience, um, kind of it's your turn, mm-hmm. you know. And I don't necess- I don't mean that in a you know that it's my turn, but mm-hmm. it's it's the time for the next generation of folks to start moving into these kinds of things. And 
I thought about that. I also did um, Leadership Pendleton last year where you go around. Mm-hmm. In fact, I came here and we yeah. did our mm-hmm. media day. Um, I learned a lot about the city, learned a lot about the history and the culture. Um, you know, And the longer I live here, the more committed to the town I become. So I was talking to, to a guy, and he says, you know, you got to run for council. And I said, what the, well, why would, same thing that other people <laughs> said to me, why would I do that? You know, I'm, I'm mid-career, mm-hmm. 43 years old, got, oh, I've got five departments right now, I've got two kids that are involved in a lot of different things. What do I know about council? You know, I, normal people don't go sit up and watch city council for forms of entertainment mm-hmm. when you're... You yeah. know, so what do I know about that? And he said, well, you know a lot about managing systems, managing programs, managing budgets, interacting with personnel, those kinds of things, and all those things being some qualities that the council could use. So I said, well, I'll think about it. Well, then that, somebody overheard that. And then, <laughs> are you really thinking about it? Well, yeah, I, why not? <laughs> and then that turned into a phone call, and then that phone call turned into a few phone calls, and then pretty soon it was... There was quite, mm-hmm. this, you know, quite a bit of momentum going on, and finally said, you know, a lot of people saying the same kinds of things. It's time for some new people that haven't been a part of past decisions, who aren't, who don't have ownership in whether mm-hmm. or not a road at the airport was the right thing or the wrong thing, yeah. or whether or not a downtown plan that either worked or didn't work. Bringing some people in who aren't tethered to a past decision, good or bad really bringing some new people in who can look at things and say, really from an objective standpoint, does it work or not? And then moving forward. So with that, and I looked at um, you know, my skill set as it relates to how I manage my, my programs, and, they, and it's very much like that. We, we do strategic planning. We set long-term goals. We set short-term goals. We measure goals. We identify what's working, what's not working. We, we, we move and we shift based on how well or not we're doing in accomplishing things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a skill set coming into the council that would be beneficial. So with all of those different things, I started thinking about it. And then I still hadn't made up my mind until the weekend of the filing deadline and finally said, you know, it's it's not about me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of times in leadership, it's about people being willing to step up and to you know, and, and, and to be a part of something. So I agreed to do it, and um, the more that I've, and since then, that's been about three weeks ago now, you start trying to cram these issues into your head and start to try to understanding why why can't we fill a pothole? Yeah. You know, why can't we attract some builders here to build some homes? Why, w- what is the issue with infrastructure and power and being able to get industry up in the, in the industrial park? What are those issues, and why aren't we moving forward on those things? And so you start looking into those plans, and I'm, I've been trying to cram all that information in my head, and, and you know, and getting urban renewal and downtown plans and transportation plans, and getting what, what means what, and trying to make some coherent idea of what that means is still mm-hmm. stuff I'm going through. And I've been, you know, I've met with Steve Christman, I've met with uh, uh, Tim Simmons, I've met with. Um, John Turner and other people that are going through this to try to mm-hmm. try to really get my arms around what the issues are. Um, what, what, are so, yeah. what do you think are the most important issues that you have to deal with even just next term? Sure. Um, so, <laughs> where do we start? <laughs> um, 
I think there are a number, and, and I don't know in terms of priorities because I, I don't. I don't want to diminish the work that the city employees do. When I, when, when I talk with, whether it's Steve or whether it's Tim, um, I haven't met with Rob Corbett yet. I need to reach out to Rob and have a conversation. I've got a meeting that's kind of on the schedule that's been moved around a little bit with, mm -hmm. for, with Bob Patterson to start understanding some of those things. If I had to really kind of put it into one synopsis, I would say the problem is growth told you earlier that I grew up in Hermiston. When I, when I was entering into grade school in Hermiston, Hermiston was what, 4,000 people, 5,000 people, something like that. If you go and you just Google um, population growth for the city of Pendleton, Pendleton was 13,000, almost 14,000 people in 1970. So we left Hermiston, drive to Pendleton, went to the Bon Marche, went to the Emporium, did all those things and bought our school clothes. Pendleton was roughly the same size then it is now, right? When you grow, you have to widen streets, you build new neighborhoods, you have to tie into your infrastructure. We haven't grown enough that has had, you know, so talking to Tim the other day, Tim, in, in the turn of the century, Boise was six times larger than Pendleton. Los Angeles was 10 times larger than Pendleton. Boise now in the greater Boise area is 3 million, and, and Los Angeles alone is 10 million. Just as a function of the growth, they're grinding up those roads, they're digging up sewer lines, they're making water lines bigger, they're making, you know, bringing in more power, they're bringing in more infrastructure. It's a natural function of the, of, of the economic growth that's occurred. We haven't had to grind those roads up. We haven't had to expand those mm -hmm. things up. We haven't had to do the things, you know. So we've got infrastructure when you peel up a road and go put some new asphalt down you're sitting with a sewer and water line that's 100 years old underneath it mm -hmm. so it's not just peel it up throw some gravel down put three inches of asphalt over the top of it you're going to put a new road over a 100 year old pipe probably not so the expense of getting into that is a huge issue secondarily um you guys you know letter you know front page this weekend 57 percent 52 percent what was the number uh, commuters. Uh, commuters. Yeah. That's half, over half of your jobs are driving out of our community at the end of the day yeah. with their paycheck in yeah. their wallet to invest into another county's infrastructure and into another county's, or, or not a county, but another city's, another city's housing market, into those cities' businesses and into those cities' property tax base. That's money that's not coming into our roads. It's money that's not coming into our parks and services. So when you look at the city budget... And then you calculate in the limitations that come along with Measure 5, Measure 47, and 50 that limits your property tax growth at, what, 3%? And then knowing the last number of years, we probably haven't even been at 3% given, you know, the, the, the housing market decline and some of the things, although I think Pendleton did better than most. You've got costs that are going up. You've got infrastructure needs, costs that are expensive. And a revenue source that is largely static. Any budget, you have to be able to keep up. Your revenue's got to keep up with your costs. And if you can't, you make cuts. And if that's long-term, pretty soon you stop investing into your infrastructure. You stop investing into your, main, into your neighborhood streets in order to just maintain your arterial roads. And it didn't take long. And then you're living down there by my, by my high school and needed a Humvee to get, down, get to your house. And that's kind of where we are. Yeah. So in terms of how do you solve that? 
When government does, government sets the platform that allows business to thrive. You set the policy, you set the permitting process, you set an environment that allows industry to want to come to you. Home builders have to know that if they're going to come in here and try to carve through the rock that is our soil to put a foundation in, when as opposed to all their other neighboring communities, they can scrape dirt and have a foundation in two or three days. And mm-hmm. When they built my house, it took them 12 days to carve the rock out of it in order to put a foundation in. Mm-hmm. You know, And they had to carve that same rock all the way up to the street to tie into the utility. Hermeson, they put a sprinkler up, dig through the sand, and a day later they got a foundation. They're tied into the utility, and they're sticking sticks in the air, and they're yeah. in their building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of some of our natural stuff. You know, so they're doing a housing plan now. I think they'll be able to demonstrate that with the number of commuters that are leaving, you know, the town every day, and the amount of you know how quickly quality homeowner you know homes on the market are snatched up, that there's that there's profit involved in, in building quality homes. You know, and by tying it to the right demographic and all those different things. So when you really try to condense down, whether it's the budget issue, whether it's the infrastructure issue, whether it's the housing issues, it all seems to to pivot around this notion of economic development. That if, if if you have the revenue that comes in, that goes into the budget, that allows you to develop the infrastructure, and the infrastructure allows you to build the housing, and to recruit the builders, mm-hmm. you can see how all those things tie together to one and another. So it's not, in my view, it's not a whole a bunch of little things. It's mm-hmm. they're all tied mm-hmm. together in, 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 to some degree, at least in my view. And that's not a ball of yarn that the city council can unwind. It, you can, I mean, you you can get out of the way and make things simple. Yeah, or, I mean, I, I, for example, when I built a house up at Sunridge, I also bought. The, the lot next to it, right? Mm-hmm. So, because the way that my house is positioned against the back of it, if somebody was going to build in the lot next to me, I would be looking right out the front of my door, right at the back of their house, because it's one of it's kind of a flag-shaped lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I need to buy that someday. So I talked to Jack Zeckman, the guy that built my house, and said, hey, if somebody ever gets interested in that lot, yeah, <laughs> you know, let me know. <laughs> and he did. So I went down to the bank and and, uh, and bought the lot. So over the course of the years, we said, so, but there's, there's still two, they were, well, I combined them through the planning department as one tax lot, but they were still two physical properties, okay. right? So there's an imaginary line that's not there, but there's an imaginary line on somebody's plat map that says those are two separate properties. So you go into it from the beginning and you say, can't be that hard for somebody to take their pink eraser to their plat map and get rid of that line. I've bought the two properties. Mm-hmm. Just call it one property. Mm-hmm. Well, it cost me 800, 800 bucks to apply for the city to ask the planning, the, you know, the planning committee, or you know, to to get permission to combine that into one lot. So I paid the money, mm-hmm. got scheduled for the planning commission, went down and sat before us. You know, the group of the people and told them, look, I want to get rid of this imaginary line and eventually someday I might I might want to build a shop on it. I might want to put a mother-in-law suite in there. My mom's getting old and she's going to yeah. need somewhere to go and that's what kids do. Um, yeah, okay, we approve it. You know, so they approved it and thought, okay, we're done. 800 bucks. Eesh, but whatever. <laughs> so you go down to the city and say, okay, we're done. Who takes their eraser to the, to yeah. the plat map, right? Oh no! Now you got to get surveyed. I said surveyed. 
just built the sucker ten years ago. Why do we need the, the sticks? Are, the stakes are still in the ground. The little brass heads are still sticking out. I still trip on them. You know. Oh no, I've got to get resurveyed. So we get a hold of the folks that surveyed the neighborhood to begin with. They come out, and twenty four hundred bucks later, I get it surveyed. And then you draw it up on your mylar plinths, and then you go to file with the city. Two hundred bucks to file with the city. File with the city. City signs off on it. Get it notarized. They take it to the board of county commissioners. Board of county commissioners sign off on it and ultimately the county planning department somebody goes in there and says we accept these mylars and now this imaginary line isn't gone is gone eight steps later thirty three hundred dollars later and a year later i got rid of an imaginary line yeah that's the bureaucracy yeah. right is it because you need to come with it or is that i don't know if it is or not but if, if, if you're a builder uh-huh. coming in and that's just me getting rid of sure. one imaginary yeah. line if you're a builder and you say, hey, I want to scrape some sagebrush off of this empty piece of dirt out to the willow and put some homes up, what does that look like? I know it's yeah. an anecdote, yeah. mm-hmm. but that, that's, that's real. That was my experience. Yeah, and that, so I don't know if that's a city issue. I don't know if that's a federal issue. I don't know if that's a DEQ issue. But it seems to me that's a lot to get rid of an imaginary line. Yeah. So, that, so when you say, yeah. if that's the bureaucracy whether you're building houses or whether you're opening a business on Main Street. I think the council has the ability to look at those systems and identify what's necessary, what's not necessary. When somebody wants to come in and open a business, do we have a program? So if somebody has an idea and some money, can we hook them up with somebody who can navigate the systems necessary to get that business open so they can get their product out there and they can get their jobs hired? Somebody has an idea that they want to scrape some dirt, put some sticks up, and build some homes. Do we have somebody that can expedite that permitting process? That can do the site surveys, get the stuff done, and get you know, mm-hmm. and encourage those kinds of things, as opposed to you know, I think that's where government has the ability to to, to come in and be a positive. Um, so no, the city council doesn't build homes. Right. City council doesn't hire anybody except for the city manager, near as I can tell, or the or the or the, or the municipal judge, maybe. Yeah, the the city count um, city manager is the only full time job. Right. The city judge is on contract. So what yeah. you're doing is you're creating an environment. We already have a natural appeal, outdoor life. 2011, eighth in the nation in terms of of, of cities to live in. If you enjoy an outdoor lifestyle, hunting, fishing, hiking, those kinds of things. Number one in the nation that year was Bend, but still, eighth in the nation if you enjoy those kinds of things. It's pretty good. We have, you know, if you, when you do the leadership Pendleton, if you haven't done it, you should. It's a lot of fun. You go through and you learn about all the uniqueness of the underground, the history of the city, Everything from the brothels to the Romeo Spikes to, you know, the train depots and the Main Street and then all the unique architecture that it is our town. It is, you know, it, culturally and historically, it's a great place to raise kids and to live and to, you know, but if you can't meet those basic needs as a family in terms of housing and in terms of livability, it becomes hard. Um, so... 
Maybe to, to piggyback, piggyback off that a little bit, uh, I wrote a column just a couple weeks ago about uh, uh, Whitewater Park, the ability of a, a, yeah. a boat ramp to come in and out with people. I mean, that's sort of like a way that city I saw that. I didn't know what you were talking about. Were you were talking about like for people to put drift boats into the river and uh, fish or that kind Mostly of rafts and kayaks. Oh, but yeah. yeah, in Bend they built a uh, Whitewater Park that that allows rafters and stand-up surfers to, you know, just oh, yeah. play in the middle of the in the middle of town. But that's like a way that city council can could possibly, you know, spur growth, you know, mm-hmm. like that's a that's a affirmative action kind of in that well, yeah, and I think area. Or does that does yeah. that come first or does that come second after the growth? Well, we, I mean, we just did some they just did some things this last week looking at the um, at the bicycle stuff up there. Yeah. Some of those things are no cost. Right. That bring people into the community that um, um, bring their tourism dollars with mm-hmm. them. Hamleys brings people. Stat- you believe it or not, the statues bring a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You hear all the all the complaints about it, but then you you talk to the people who are looking at the tourist and you know Pat Beard and some of the other guys and start talking about you know how those things impacted the you know, tourism for a town. And what did Keith say at the last thing? Something like from April to October, there's one tour bus a day or one tour bus a week that comes in for the sole purpose of looking at the bronze and walking Main Street and seeing Hamleys and doing all that other stuff. You know, so I, I don't think it's a, I don't think the council's a one-trick pony or I think they can walk and chew gum at the same time. I yeah. think they can look at those immediate natural resources that are very low or no cost in order to attract tourism. We do it with our, with our underground, we do it with the Roundup, we do it with all these other things that, that bring people to our town. You know, all fantastic stuff. But you know, if you live here the rest of the year, and you know, so that's where you know some of these other issues, you know, kind of come up. I mean, I think right now one of the things that, that I don't understand, and maybe this falls into your other questions, and mm-hmm. don't want to get too far off track here. But when you start talking about performance-based management, you know, we talked about coming in and you identify goals, long-term, short-term, all these different things. You have city employees that are in charge of making much of this happen. So whether it's bringing in outdoor recreation and you have an economic developer, we have that. We have a city manager that supervises those folks. We have road department folks, you know, public works. We have folks that are doing all kinds of different stuff. But near as I can tell, you come out of there and you say, okay, our, our goal for the next year is to pave however many miles of streets. Right? We want X amount of them to be, percentage of them to be in the arterial roads. We want X percentage of them to be in the, in the neighborhoods. Why isn't there a standing agenda item, you know, on the, on, the, uh, on the city council? Bob, Tim, what's the roads report for the month? What did we pay? What holes did we fill? What neighborhoods are we working in? Where are we going next? Right? Steve, working on eco- economic development. What new leads do we have? What are the infrastructure issues that are, whether it's, you know, the amount of power we're able to get up to the North Hill so we can, so we can properly power, maybe somebody wants to bring a server plant in, or, you know, what are the other things, whether it's river, river walkway or whether it's downtown plan, what are we doing on the economic development front? What is our priority this week and how do those things or this month to tie into our goals? And I don't know how to get work done any other way. Other than to say, these are the things we're going to get done. You assign those things out to people. You break those things up into small achievable goals, and then you report out on what's working, what's not working, and that there's some accountability mechanism to say that we're staying on, we're staying focused on the things we said we were going to do. 
you know and um, I think it does two things I think it, it, it shows the community that you're focused on the same things that they are and that you're doing the things that you said you were going to do you hear I mean communication is more about listening than it is talking so if your community is out there saying roads 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 and all you talk about are statues 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 you can see that there's a disconnect now from the council's perspective I think they're saying we're working on all of those things at once mm-hmm. But I think there are clearer ways to say we're working on. Uh, the, these are the, this is the progress we're making. I think there are ways that you can engage the community in, 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 in kind of, um, you know, talking to a guy the other day. He says, you know, my guess is you have a public works truck out there any given day filling potholes. Mm-hmm. Probably, I mean, I see them all the time. I see the little white trucks with the red penalty, city of Penalty logo on them. And they're going from park to park. They're going to neighborhood to neighborhood. You know, engage your local school district. Have the kids des- develop a banner that says "Pothole Brigade" or something on mm-hmm. it. Put it on the tailgate of a, put it on the tailgate of a of a public works truck. And every single time those kids or those parents of those kids see that truck, see that ba- that banner, they know they're being heard. They know that that work is being done. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you can work with the budget. Meanwhile, you can you can work with whether it's a gas tax or whether it's a water rate issue or whether it's gr- economic growth to generate the revenue in your budget to, to tackle the long-term solution. But meanwhile, we're still working on filling the holes that are busting your tires and knocking your, you know. Mm-hmm. To, you know. Yeah. So I think there are a number of ways that you communicate and listen, improve your listening. Yeah. Are you in favor of a communications position at the city to, to share that kind of I don't know that I'm in favor of hiring a position for it. Okay. Um, but I am in, in favor of, of, of acknowledging what you've been able to get done, acknowledging what you have not been able to get done, and celebrating the things you have done. I mean, you, you just if you were to go to the Facebook when you guys, well, I think I, I follow your guys' Facebook mm-hmm. stuff just to see what's going on in the news because oftentimes the news lands faster on your Facebook account than it does in your, <laughs> in your paper or your regular account. Okay. And the comments, frankly, <laughs> they're, they're entertaining. <laughs> you know, and... Uh, Every single time we talk about something, whether it's money that's going into an economic development project or whether it's going into public art or whether it's going into this project or that project, predictably the comments are rolling in. How many potholes could you have filled with that? How many of this could you have done with that? Um, So I I do think, you know, if you're going to establish goals and you're going to prioritize work, that you need to have a mechanism that reliably gets information from, to and from. Now, whether or not you need a hired PIO, I doubt it. I think you could probably take somebody who works within the current city infrastructure or the city government that knows the issues, that articulates the issues well, that can go to your, your civics groups, that can work with your downtown groups, that can go to your, your rotaries and your Lions clubs and, 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 and receives feedback on one thing or another and provides that um, that manages you know releasing of information um, you, know, you look around us there are people out there that are celebrating their successes all the time police departments you know effective police departments will, will put out a you know put out a uh, you know a press release on everything short of a jaywalk it seems at times mm-hmm. and yet the city doesn't they, they just sit back and kind of take these things but you know and, and the perception is that the city is dying I mean that that is a, a large perception mm-hmm. 
What they don't know is, I got this from economic development, just in the last three years, there's been 162 million of new investment into our community. New hospital, school district bond, Interpath, Hill Meat, Colby Pike, Melanie Square, Newlywood Foods, Walgreens, Lifelight, Grocery Outlet, Distillery, Keystone Pike, or Keystone, all those things expanding. We've got new things coming in in a solar field, planned hotel, expansion of bar height, new data center going in up there, new, new hangars. I didn't know that prior to coming into this. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I don't think most do. I think, you know, most people, like we said earlier, don't hang out at city council to hear what's going on. They're raising, they're, 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 they're working, they're trying to build their career, they're raising their kids. Yeah. Hopefully and, they're reading the newspaper, because I think we know, had a lot of that in there. But, yeah. but that's, yeah. but that's no, the right. truth. Yeah. You know, do, do, you know, does the community know that we have more jobs inside the city limits of Pendleton than Hermiston does? Inside the city limits, that was 2014, Pendleton had 8,125 jobs in the city limits. Hermiston had 6,872. Interesting. I didn't know I mean, that. Yeah, yeah. You know, you go through some of these things. And you start, so what's holding us back, you know? And you, when, you, when you look at that, when you look at the opportunity to, you know, of, of our history, our culture, and our access to the outdoors, I don't know. I think we have a pretty unique community that there are a lot of opportunities. Yeah. And that allows us to kind of uh, finish with, uh, I mean, we were talking about the problems of Pendleton and how to fix them, but uh, what's the best thing about Pendleton? What's, what's, what is this, what's the best thing about living here? You know... Um, I think it's a lot of the things that we've said. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think uh, hopefully they get the farmer's market thing fixed. The first, thing, the first thing that comes to my mind is the spring and summer months when we go and we park in the parking lot down across from uh, the chamber, yeah. and we get out and we walk Main Street. We go to the farmer's market. We go to the GP. And we see the people we know, and mm-hmm. we see the friends we have. We see the schools. That, that, that do well. I see the teachers that are committed to my kids. I see the sports and I see the coaches that are, that are mentoring my kids. I see a, a city that, that has a, a fantastic police department and a committed, you know, committed to public safety. I look at the work we do at Community Corrections and the investment into, into, into treatment programs and into supervision systems that take broken lives and turn them into better people who contribute to our community. So I, I think there are just, and then you, you mix in our proximity to the river, our proximity to the mountains, our ability to, you know, to go to the city. I'm leaving for Portland tomorrow morning to go to a, go to a Blazer game, you mm-hmm. know, and, and to be able to do that within a couple hours. You know, I don't know. I This this place, like I said, I grew up in Hermiston, but Pendleton became my home very quickly, mm-hmm. you know, when we moved here. So, um, well, I, I think one last thing that I, I, I want to think that I, I really think is important as it relates to the council. Um, you got four open positions and a new mayor, uh, only one incumbent running, and likely new positions coming next time that I've heard. Um, and you're, getting a, you're going to have a group of people led by, well, John Turner's going unimposed, so, when, so unless somebody puts in a significant writing campaign, he's gonna be your new mayor. Great guy, good leadership skills. Um, group of people that aren't tethered to a past decision like yeah. I said earlier mm-hmm. they don't need you know they don't need to justify whether or not a road at the airport was the right thing to do or not in 2007 the fact of the matter is is, it, is it, it's a resource now and is it 
are we managing that resource in the most productive way we can we can for our city mm-hmm. you know we don't need to know whether or not they managed the downtown plan appropriately or not or did they fund it adequately or not or urban renewal or all these things that are going on through the PDC bringing a group of people in who aren't tethered to past decisions and have to make a judgment call what was right or wrong is important having a group of people who can come in and simply say what works what is not working mm-hmm. What do we build on? What are the goals? Engaging the community into that and then developing a mechanism to measure it and communicate it and to hold people accountable to achieving it is a big opportunity for this for this city. Yeah. So okay. I, I think, um, so whether that's me or others, um, I tend to think that I've got some skills and some, you know, some, some history and, you know, that I bring to it that would be helpful. Um, most importantly to me is to see the council um, I don't know I, I, to see more positive engagement mm-hmm. you know to see collaboration to see effective communication you know to cooperate to to understand that reasonable people can look at problems differently and you still get things done um, so I think in my history you know I've got a long you know long time of doing exactly that um, so sounds good great very good um, just some basic uh, biographical studies. You were 43, is that right? Yeah. What's your date of birth? July 12, 1972. And uh, you married, you said? Yep. Oh, My wife's name is Brenda. I have a son named Alex and a daughter named Elise, A-L-E-E-C-E. One more time, A-L-E-E-C-E. I don't know. We you know, didn't go the Shakespeare route of G-L-I-S-E. <laughs> Alex is standard spelling. Yeah, Alex, yeah. yeah. So, uh, they're 11 and 15. Okay. Uh, Alex is younger? No, he's the older one. He's 15. Okay. And Brenda's standard spelling? Yep. Okay. Excellent. And uh, Doug hasn't tried to talk you out of it. <laughs> you know, I called Doug when when I was thinking about it. and I So, I called him and he said, you know, Tell me why not, <laughs> you know, because I'm looking at these issues and I'm looking and I'm asking people, you know, some basic questions about, you know, how, how does the city council currently operate? What is the current culture? How do they goal plan? How do they measure those things? How do they communicate those, those achievements or lack thereof? Who is accountable for taking those vision kind of things and those goals and breaking them down into bite-sized pieces and getting them out to the, to the city departments and the city staff to make sure that there's some cohesive, you know, yeah. efforts into moving it forward. How does that work? And it's all like, well, we don't really do that. Yeah. How do you get anything done? Because in my world, you get what you measure. Mm-hmm. If you want to stop getting something, stop measuring it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care what it is. So in my world, so for example, when I took over as assistant director of community corrections, we were collecting about $60,000 a year in supervision fees. So supervision fees for people who are on parole or probation, the law requires that they pay a certain amount per month to offset the state's cost of providing services, right? The law requires a minimum of $25 a month. We were collecting about $60,000 a year, 800, 850 people in supervision. Within one year, I had taken that number over 200, simply by measuring it. Yeah. Yeah. This is how we're doing and then we went through some, some layoffs and through some cuts, and we had the opportunity to stop the bleeding, so to speak, so going to staff and saying, we need to do better at this, or Daniel's the next guy. Yeah. He's the next one on the bubble. We can save him if we do a better job at this, that, and the other. And they do it. Mm-hmm. 
you know, or when we say we've got 500 people on supervision that are higher moderate risk to reoffend, we know through data and through research that if we if we treat people with in, in the right criminogenic domains and we measure how many people are in treatment, we make sure they're getting the right dosage of that treatment, we make sure we're, we're holding them accountable to the expectations, we know we'll reduce recidivism. Measure it. So when, you, when, when you've got 80% of your people in treatment and you've got 20% of your people in treatment, I can say, yeah. what's the deal, dude? You got, yeah. We know that if we're going to change behaviors, we have to teach people new skill sets, and you're not teaching your folks new skill sets, yeah. right? I don't measure that. All I see on any given day, it ain't. Dan's a good showing guy. Up. You're a good yeah. guy. You're showing up. You're here on time. Yeah. You, mm-hmm. you know, you seem to interact with people fine. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. You know? That's yeah, just results the truth. matter for that, sure. That's yeah. the truth. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and if you don't have those things that are anchoring you down, you tend to chase every squirrel that runs. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon you don't have any cohesiveness. There's no organization to what you're doing. And you're just, it's chaos. I, so... That is the over that between that and bringing in, you know, some new teams and some new folks. I think there's an opportunity to really have a high functioning team that really. So I mean, that's who I am, and either I, you know, it does seem like a kind of a fork in the road for the for the yeah, council with right. so many new faces or possibly you know new faces that, yeah. But that's so, how my mind works, yeah. and. Uh, so I've got a lot to learn when it comes to, mm-hmm. to, to road and the infrastructure and whether you need eight inches of gravel and five inches of asphalt and how many how much it costs to dig up a pipe and whether or not a gas tax or a, a water rate increase was the right idea. I you know yeah. the, the fact of the matter is if we're going to solve the problems long term, more of those paychecks that are going to Hermiston and to Milton Freewater and to Walla Walla and to Pilot Rock and everything else have to yeah. stay here. Yeah. That's well, just the truth. One of the interesting things about this race is several people that are running for different seats have very clearly said what they think about past Pendleton City decisions. And some people like you are just, you know, are, haven't, you don't have a record of. <laughs> you know what? Here's what I think about past decisions. The only reason you look backwards is that that's where you want to go. Mm-hmm. You can drag the anchors of the past if you want, and you can allow that to be to be a grudge or something you want to settle, or you have an axe you want to grind, or you have a single issue that's on your agenda. Okay. Fine. Yeah. That ain't me. Uh, you know, I, I think if you're going to be effective, you need to come in and say, what are the issues before us that are working? What are the issues before us that are not working? Mm-hmm. Why are those things not working? Do they, are they things that government should be involved in or not? And if so, you know, like a downtown plan that doesn't have any funding versus an urban renewal piece that does have funding. Mm-hmm. You know, what are we, what's our involvement? What does our involvement need to be? And do we have the resource to do all those things? And if not, then let's get our focus yeah. prioritized. Sure. So, like I said, if, if, if other people running against me want to look backwards, God bless them, look backwards. <laughs> but if that's where you want to go, that's where you want to go. But I, I don't. I'm a, I'm a forward-looking guy. I don't type. I, you know, once you move past decisions and you get things done, you move on to the next one, and you, you only look backwards as if they, if that's where you, if you want to dwell in the past. <laughs> That's your gig. Sure. It's not my gig. Yeah.